Hello and welcome to episode number four of Ember After. Last week, as now is becoming slightly usual, but not for long, I'm joined by a man who's usually only happy when he's moaning, but he also knows absolutely everybody, so going out in public with him is a nightmare. Hello, Shasa Franken. Hello. Thanks again for the detrimental kind of feedback there on my person. I didn't mention anything about grumpy <laughs> tweeting. Uh, no, I'm usually only happy when I'm moaning or... Okay, so I'm a popular guy. Don't be jealous. I mean, just everybody likes knowing me. Sure. Right. Okay. <laughs> this week, we've both been to see the new kind of US box office number one hit, surprisingly, Don't Breathe. We have a few thoughts on that, but that's coming up later. Initially today, lo- looking at cinema lessons, I thought I'd be going to see Hell or High Water because critics have been raving about it. It looks, and it actually looked like it was coming out somewhere near me. All the listings showed me it was within like an hour drive a few places and I was thinking maybe no if I have a few hours spare this weekend maybe I'll drive to it come the weekend when I had a few hours spare it had magically disappeared from the listings of the three places closest to me so that was kind of put paid no hell or high water for Ethan sad time for just have to wait for the DVD but once I kind of got the notion of driving somewhere that kind of got me on the and then there's a new Irish film out called A Date for Mad Mary and that's be, that was being shown in Letterkenny, which is only like 25 minutes away from me. So I thought, what the hell, I might as well go for it, support about an Irish film. It's actually a really well, well-made film. It's about a girl called Mary, but known as Mad Mary. She just got out of prison, but for being a bit mad, obviously. She's, she's a girl who's a bit rough around the edges, I suppose. Well, it's, and her best friend's getting married, and she's just been a maid of honour, but everybody kind of treats her differently, and she, because she's rough around the edges, she just kind of, she just doesn't fit in. And it's, about awkward and she kind of goes in this wee search and they kind of get a plus one you feel you feel for you know she's rough around the edges you probably wouldn't want to be her mate you wouldn't mind giving her a wee bit of like sympathy attention nearly but the following is really well made it does eventually get you on side with her and she, there is just a kind of bit of a tragic case to it all and it's just fun when she's going around kind of dating the dubstick she find in a county town in ireland so but i would definitely recommend a date for mad mary if anybody was going out and it's on on any of your local cinemaplexes. On to your main review though, we're going to chat Don't Breathe, which stars blind man Stephen Lang, and there's a trio of kind of teenager burglars, would you, would you say? And they're kind of trapped in his house, and he's a blind man, but he's out after them kind of thing. That's as much as we're kind of probably going to say too much about plot, but what does Shossa feel about it? It's an inventive film. There's loads and loads of twists and turns, so be open-minded when you do go and see it. However, the four principal cast are possibly the four worst people I've ever encountered in film. They're just horrible people. Not Like, people the, as in people, the, not their actual actors. The actors, the actors are fantastic. The roles that they play are well thought out. Horrible, horrible, horrible people. With the antagonist is, he has less scruples than he has sight. Let's put it that way. He's a horrible person. The three principal protagonists, if you can call them that, anti-heroes, let's say, are even... They're slightly better, but still very bad. They're they're just not likable characters. But did that affect your enjoyment of the film, though? In a way, yes, because it made it all the way... All the sweeter to see. The film is rather a painful experience for all involved, including some scenes for the audience. The characters, it's a majorly painful experience for them, and it felt just a bit sweeter, knowing how bad they were, to see them 
being put through their paces by someone who is literally devoid of all sight. For, even from the off, you're just tense. You're kind of heart and mouth. You're like, I know this isn't your traditional horror. Maybe there's no like supernatural entities. There's no ghosts. There's no like scary monsters. But it has you tenser. It has you more stuck to your seat than you would be in most horrors because there's ne- there's an inevitability to everything that's kind of happening and and it's nowhere near as simple as it was kind of first played as it was first trailered anyway. And I thought it was excellently made. It's maybe Ferry Alvarez, this, the guy who made the Evil Dead remake recently, which was also which also had me terrified. Which I, I didn't think I would be. The first Evil Dead had me terrified for like different reasons because it was more kind of disturbing, whereas the new one had me terrified. But so he's obviously good at the sh- the shock scares, and there's an element obviously because they're trapped in a house. The geography of the house was well laid out and stuff. There was a few tracking, early tracking shots that kind of helped everything lay out. So you knew the kind of geography that they were following. So you were right in the character's eyes. And when they get when they get stuck on like a wee hidey hole or something, you were just like, what do you do? It's excellent. I, 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 no, I really thought it was very well made. The set, as you said, was really well laid out. You were shown from pretty much the very first instance the layout of the the home. I think, in a way, there's nothing more terrifying than a claustrophobic scene. And in a lot of the scenes, it was very claustrophobic, knowing that this person, let's say, as you said, there's no supernatural entity, but in a way, it taken on the persona of some demonic force, let's say, simply because of how much dedication he showed <laughs> to making sure that these people paid for, for the crime that they were committing, for the burglary. And in a way, it just wasn't human in the effort that he was putting into doing this. It's absolutely terrifying to know that one wrong turn, you're in this guy's territory. One wrong turn, it's all over for you. Simple as that. So it is the claustrophobia of being in his turf. And there are scenes in the movie where that comes out in such a jarring way that you feel yourself are actually... And that scene, you are that character. You're there beside them or behind them or in front of them and feeling tense simply because of the situation and the place that they are in the house. Yeah, and as well, there's sort of morals nearly that come on it. Like, there's one of the characters that knows the rules by law as well. So he's like, if you bring a gun to a burglary, all of a sudden he, he can legally kill us. Whereas if we're just unarmed burglars we're just burgling this is pretty honest they nearly see it as like an innocent a lesser crime we don't deserve to be punished so they're nearly and the reason we're supposed to want them to survive and get out of the house is just the fact that they're not as bad maybe but then they're they're also like there's an element through the film as well trying to make you feel for the blind man I guess these are people who have invaded his home so there is an element like whose side are you on early on I, I, I don't know. I think the mora- the morality of the characters, there are reasons for doing this. There are there are good intentions, but as you say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and their good intentions just feel like it was something slapped together and thrown in just to give just because they are horrible people and they wanted to make them a bit more likable in a way. So there are reasons like the female character Rocky has a sister that she wants to take away and uh, she needs money to do it. So this is her reason. The two guys, however, are just, one's an absolute moron. He just does it, I I think in a way for the street cred of trying to be this big gangster with his fake cornrow hair 
and shots of the expert on cornrow hair. <laughs> I have seen white people with cornrow hair. It is disastrous. There are disastrous results from it. Let's just. That's not the. That's not just. The, we'll just not get on the race territory. We'll, we'll just go quiet now. We'll put that. That's put that then end. The the second male character. He's just like Ethan said. He, he's knowledgeable about what he's doing. He knows the cost of the crimes that he's committing, and yet he still does them. And I don't think at any point we're actually fully given any reasons why he wants to do it, other than maybe is is it. I want to help Rocky. It's kind of well. The the guy's obviously a, a friend zone guy. Kind of likes the girl. Like so, when she's in trouble, he obviously wants to play the hero. Great. So no strings attached. Friendship of being an absolute. You're obviously just not that good a friend. <laughs> no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have some really close friends. It doesn't mean I'm going to go. You have a lot of friends. I'm I'm not going to rob a blind man for them. Uh, no matter what way you put it. Okay. But you, what, what about what about helping them not die? Well, I mean, the less said about that, the better, to be honest, because it's just he's there. He has equally as much chance of getting dead. <laughs> getting dead. That's, that's the that's the official terminology, right? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I like I thought it was excellently made. Like I'm not going to come out going. I absolutely love this. Going to be top film, top ten films of the year, or anything. But it was excellently made, had me, did the exact job, surprised me, and kept me glued throughout, and didn't overstay its welcome. So it gets a four stars for me. What about you? I would say many of the same points. I would say, with a massive warning, keep your mind open, because not everything is as it seems. Yeah, just keep it open. So what about the rating? A solid four stars. And also, to add, the last time we reviewed something was... Lights Out. Lights Out, which I loved. I would also like to add my rating, because the last time it didn't, as a solid five stars. 1,000% five stars. Five stars for Lights Out? Five stars. Gets a solid three from me. <laughs> no, no way, no way. <laughs> five stars. There's no way it can be anything better. Simply as a horror fan, that is just... Everything. Lights Out for me got less creepy as it went on. Showed his hand too early. I appreciated it initially that it showed his hand too early, but I was no longer afraid of the monster like halfway through the film. Well, but that's a topic for another time. <laughs> Stop dragging me down on the territory that we did the previous week. Shots of. I would just like that. That, 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 that. Okay, right then. I've also seen Sausage Party. Did you get a chance to see it? No. What? Oh, poor Shots of. <laughs> oh, he's, he's grumpy now. I told you. He, but he's, he seems happier. He's like a happy mooner. But anyway, Sausage Party is just an animation done by Seth Rogen and pals. But it's just crude for the sake of being crude. It's not actually particularly funny. There's a, there's some fun political subtext. Well, not subtext. It's, they're quite. It's they're not subtle about it. Like, <laughs> but and they're crude and they're crass and it's all about sex. There's a food orgy. Of, there's of course there's a food orgy. Uh, but it's there's no reason for all that stuff's not funny. That's just like I you feel like we've got an we've got an R rating. We, we kind of have to earn it or something. Like there's it's just. It should it should have been better. It should have been. It felt like it should have been smarter almost. But anyway, but but bad moms, that surprised the heck out of me by being pretty damn funny. It's got a fairly average storyline, like moms overworked, blah blah blah. And then there's a, there's an overpowerful PTA parents teacher association, and she's kind of fighting against that as a we as a form of rebellion. But she's also got two or three other moms that are her best pals, and they all go go wild. But it sounds a bit cliched, but. It's it's great fun. Bridesmaids for moms. 
bridesmaids for moms. Well, that's you're you're kind of being a bit condescending there, but <laughs> it's it's actually quite fun. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it, so I'll I'll keep my opinion. Open mind. It's not just for moms. It's pretty good crack. So go see it. But anyway, until next time, uh, I should probably give out the socials. We're Embar Films on Twitter. We're Embar Films on Facebook. We're Embar.co.uk forward slash Films on the web. And Shasov is frequently mentioned in all your podcasts and also in advertisements for Embar after. So, and I assume his Twitter is like Shasov Rankin, but like you can figure it. Just Google him. Try and spell it, or don't bother. Like, no, who cares? <laughs> Until next time, anyway. That's it from me. And for me, have a happily Embar after.